Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to this week in Bitcoin. Today is March the 22nd, 2019. Strong hand, offended by selling, value your wealth in Bitcoin, unconfiscatable. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Be a unique beast. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Okay, I had to do a lot of catchphrases there, but we've got an awesome high energy, positive panel today. This is, we've got quite a combo here. we got BJ Boyapati. He's on the West Coast. I'm, I'm there now, right? Also, we got Ken Bozak out on the East Coast. I think that's where he is. That's where he's from. And then we got Hass McCook. He's so far away. It's already Saturday where he is in uh, Australia. <laughs> so, oh man, we got we got quite a show. Now, before I went on air, I noticed a, a story broke. And we'll hear two different headlines talking about the same thing. This is from CNBC. So, you know, this one's going to be terrible. Uh, majority of Bitcoin trading is a hoax. New study finds. And it uses the word Bitcoin and hoax. Very, very nice. Cointelegraph put it a little bit differently. Bitwise tells us, SEC tells, well, tells the SEC that 95% of the volume on regulated crypto exchanges is suspect. Okay, so they, they actually, you know, they, they didn't say Bitcoin. They said, they said the truth. Now, what I, this statement that I just said, or these two statements, we know this already. That they that the uh, on the exchanges there's wash trading there's all sorts of uh, insanity going on there fake hoax whatever you want to call it Ken what, what do you think about these latest headlines um, and had you even heard about this yet no but I mean this is something I've been thinking about for a while you know we always not always but I mean like when I first got into Bitcoin everybody was saying you know uh, audit the Federal Reserve when audit well when audit these Bitcoin exchanges and uh, when audit Coinbase to see if these are Bitcoins that are being traded or if it's just fluff that they're putting in the volume to make themselves look good. We don't know. You know, that's the problem with these centralized exchanges. It's in their best interest to make themselves look good, have high volume. But yeah, is it real volume? We don't know. That's a trust fall. And I don't, for one, trust any exchange. So uh, it's probably more true than not, unfortunately. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can trust the exchange i don't know if it's as a hoax as much as it may just be like misinformation yeah i mean these these uh exchanges they want to boost their numbers they want to be higher they want to be ranked higher than the other one there's you know it's it's the wild wild west out there and this is something we're very familiar with but a story when someone reads this on cnbc okay this is how you get a weak hand like, or how newbies are like, oh, I shouldn't be in this because it's it's all fake. Bitcoin is a hoax. Well, why don't they talk about the stock market being a hoax because companies are buying back their stocks to pump the value, the volume up and the value of their own stocks up to then dump it back down to the people they got caught in the hype that they created. The stock market's a hoax. Woo, pound that like button. Oh, we're on fire. DJ, what do you think about all these headlines that we already knew about, basically? Well, I, I think it, 
you know, points to the influence that coin market cap has uh, in in getting newbies to to go to exchanges and and to find you know what which is the most prominent exchange. The exchanges, a lot of these exchanges are just trying to game the system, uh, and 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 they pump their volume so they can get a higher ranking on coin market cap to attract new buyers. Uh, and it's mostly mostly this is happening in Asia. Um, and so some you can tell the the volume is fake on some of these exchanges because the the trading fees are zero for some of them. So people go there and they trade with themselves back and forth. Um, the The problem is the story is trying to give the impression that there isn't really any volume for Bitcoin trading, which is false. Um, because if you exclude these exchanges in Asia, uh, you know, it does reduce volume, but then you have to also factor in the fact that a huge amount of uh, trading volume for Bitcoin happens OTC, uh, which is not seen on any exchanges. Uh, so big blocks of Bitcoin move back and forth every day. Uh, places like Cumberland Mining and Circle has its own OTC desk. Um, so Bitcoin, Bitcoin's volume is very significant. Uh, it's certainly less than it was in 2017. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's fair to to discount the volume on some of these Asian, Asian exchanges because there's some of them are incredibly scammy. Uh, and uh, if, if the point is just that some exchanges are scammy, yes, that's true. But if the point is that Bitcoin doesn't have any volume, no, that's false. Excellent point. And you know what? I like your story within the story there. The influence of coin market cap on the whole ecosystem. I mean, they everybody and their mother wants to have high numbers of some sort up there, whether it be an altcoin, whether it be an exchange. Now, uh, did you hear how coin market cap is, has now incorporated some type of ranking in there uh, of coins, some independent, a, a letter grade? I mean, I just thought about this. I, I, I talked about this story earlier in this week. Um, well, coin market cap has major, major problems. And one of the problems is is not just the volume that reports on exchanges. It's the volume it reports per coin. And uh, if you don't normalize this in any way, then you think that the volume of some of these small coins is comparable to Bitcoin or, you know, a large fraction of Bitcoin. But if, if you normalize it by... Um, you know, the amount of Bitcoin that's moving and uh, how long the Bitcoin's been held and, you know, various things like that. You find that Bitcoin's market cap, its real market cap is much, much higher than these altcoins. Uh, so, you know, you, you really need to normalize the exchanges for the volume on exchanges and volumes for coins in various ways. Um, coin market cap has a, a lot of problems, and I think it's it is kind of problematic that people who are new to the space come and go to coin market cap and try and figure out, you know, what what exchanges are reputable, what coins are reputable, uh, and, and they're really they're doing a poor job of um, uh, reporting meaningful information. All right, has a lot has been said. Coin market cap, uh, stocks are fake. What what is what are your thoughts on all these uh, topics we've covered so far? I'm always very short and sharp. So uh, yeah, it is a hoax. And uh, the 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 more we can uh, convince uh, newbies that uh, trading is a hoax and a fool's errand, and get them into the stack setting, 
Yeah, stacking sat slash tithing slash holding uh, culture and school of thought, the better. So uh, the more we can call out the hoax that is all these uh, casino exchanges, uh, the better. Wow, dude, that was a really good summary. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. Yeah, it is a hoax. Dudes, yeah, we, we've no, just great. tried to trading is a hoax. It is, uh, it is uh, whales stealing your money. So, uh, so if you if you if you believe in uh, in Bitcoin, you just slowly stack sats, tithe, do whatever you need to do, hold, and uh, and uh, ignore the noise. Wow, very very good point. Very good way of summing it up. Yeah, people, you can take personal responsibility. You can play in that space, but there is a lot of wildness going on there, and yet yeah, like ninety percent of the people lose, and the exchanges themselves are fakery so uh before we move on ken we said so much was there anything you wanted to add you, you, you yeah to um f coin market cap <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't know how they're not in jail since they promoted every scam that you could fit in an ad banner in 2017 i mean from big connect to bit petite to usi tech uh, gladia coin damn I, I feel like i could name at least four more if you gave me a minute but i mean they're responsible for the, the for the normalization of every scam that was a pyramid scheme up until this day and time right now they still get caught promoting some sketchy scam in their ad banner so don't forget coin market cap is the number one referral in the downline of every pyramid scheme that's ever existed so yeah screw coin market cap and i told them that to their face in hong kong at token 2049. dude that that one statistic you just gave there ken Say that again. And where did you get that statistic from, by the way? Uh, I, I just clicked. I, I clicked on all the scam ad banners they had. I participated in all the stuff they promoted. So I'm in their downline. <laughs> all right. But is that, I mean, you, that's where most of the, uh, when, when these, uh, they were one of the most used referral links for BitConnect. It said no risk, you know, 40% a month guaranteed. And as soon as BitConnect went kind of shy, they had bit the teat right there in its place. Well, another thing, so that, okay, they, they, they had shady advertisements that there's no doubt about that. And that is not good. Um, but the, 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 the worst part of it is they listed, they didn't have to list BitConnect as a real coin that it was listed. On, is it still listed on there? It is. I believe. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah. yeah that, that, this was, I, I, BJ, I'm glad you brought, uh, brought up this aspect of the story that I didn't even think about it. Uh, coin market. So, I mean, VJ, what, what do you think is the solution here? Um, how that's are people? Gonna that's get, a good question. How are people going to get unaddicted to coin market cap? Or uh, what do you see the evolution uh, away from that? Or do you see that happening soon? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's what you guys can and you pointed out is pretty important as well. There's conflict of interest where you know they're getting advertising dollars from some of these uh, really scammy coins pump and dump schemes and that gives them an incentive to play nicely and list those coins which is really a problem uh people have come up with alternative measures for how to measure volume and market cap and things like that i think nick carter has done some great work on this um I, I'm not sure if that's been incorporated into any other site that's competing with coin market cap but really you know the problem with a, a a lot of these things is there's such a strong network effect to products, um, whether it's Coin Market Cap or Facebook or or Mount Gox. Um, the problem is you can have a dominant player that is just doing a terrible job 
or is you know even malfeasant or criminal and because that there is a strong network effect it's hard to unseat them and so you know bringing up mount gox going back to 2013 and 14 it was run very very poorly but it was very hard for the competitors to unseat them because it was just the dominant place to go and the same thing is kind of uh true of coin market cap because it gets the biggest audience everyone wants to be on there everyone wants to reach out to them want to they want to have their coin listed there everyone wants to advertise there and it it really um it gives them a pretty deep moat uh i i just i you know I, I don't know how to solve that problem except to say just beware of them if you're someone who's coming to this space and new, new to the space be very wary of what you see there uh it's not don't definitely take everything you see there with a, a very large grain of salt yeah yeah it's probably a shot of penicillin you might get a malware virus playing around on coin market cap be careful what you click <laughs> ladies and gentlemen Oh, dude, dude. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to Castle Crypto, who's loving this show. He sent $4.20, I guess in honor of Ken. And That's says, my bro, bro. Absolutely annihilate that like button, he says. Well, I, I think a lot, of people have been, a lot of people have been doing that. Okay, so let's move on uh, to a topic that everybody's talking about, but I want to hear these three guys' opinions on, on this topic. We'll start with Hass, uh, Down Under. Are they making a big deal about uh, Jack Dorsey saying all this great stuff about uh, uh, his new project that, that's going to involve uh, Bitcoin in, in some way? Well, I live in a bubble and uh, they're talking about it in my bubble. I don't know what's happening outside of the bubble, but, you know, we're all uh, we're all real stoked on on Jack. Me being uh, uh, an aspiring uh, cult leader, uh, have... Uh, Big, big respect to the infrastructure he's set up that allows people to, to stack sats in an extremely easy way. Uh, uh, if more, more and more billionaires could uh, take the lead and just uh, you know reinvest uh, uh, you know a couple of hundred thousand bucks a year into some uh, into some devs, uh, the world would be a better place. So uh, I'm uh, totally on board uh, with what Jack's doing and. Uh, I don't see him as a benevolent actor. I see him as a guy with skin in the game, uh, looking after looking after himself, and also, you know, achieving uh, uh, our shared uh, end goal. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's a great point. This is no charity for him. This is this is for for the the, the benefit of himself, which is great. People should be doing this for for their own benefit, and uh, and it help. And in the long run, it helps everyone. Uh, VJ, what do you think about the situation? And will uh, we soon be hearing FUD about how Jack Dorsey is the secret owner of Bitcoin or something like that? <laughs> well, I, you know, I think it, it's great that he is supporting Bitcoin. And in, in general, I really think people who are passionate about Bitcoin uh, should patronize and support companies that are themselves supportive of Bitcoin and also ostracize those that are not. Uh, and so for the example I'd give is Coinbase, which I think helped orchestrate one of the most significant attacks on Bitcoin in its history. So I, I, I really appreciate that he's supporting Bitcoin by supporting developers who are going to work on Bitcoin. But I, I will also say I, I'm concerned about Twitter as a platform uh, for global communication and his uh, association with that. Of course, he's the CEO of Twitter um, and, and the censorship that happens on Twitter. Uh, and I'll give a small example. Uh, there have been a lot of accounts that have been suspended um, often, you know, almost immediately for saying things like learn to code. 
Um, and the problem I have with that is that it really seems to be applied unevenly across the political spectrum, uh, which is really problematic. Uh, the, the main conduits for information uh, on the internet all seem to be politically aligned, uh, which tends to stifle diversity of thought. And so I, I'm very happy and supportive that Jack is, uh, you know, uh, patronizing or pr providing patronage for Bitcoin developers. And I think it's great to have someone so prominent um, supporting Bitcoin. But his associ association with Twitter concerns me, uh, and I think we should all, um, you know, being for decentralized, a decentralized open system, be concerned about a very centralized platform that has so much power uh, and influence and, and really um, seems to be biased in the way they, they handle uh, conversation online. Yeah, I mean, people have brought that up online, uh, brought that up in, in this conversation online that, you know, it, it is great to have this big name, but look what he does with his own company. Or is it really him? Is it a group of people to make the decisions over there? There have been questions about that. Ken, your thoughts. All right. So they touched on pretty much everything in-house, right? Like, you know, Jack, Twitter, everything in-house. But what I'm actually more excited about is the ripple effect from this. Jack and Twitter are setting the standard, starting a new trend, making companies you know feel pressured into uh, allocating some developer power to this technology. And how do they incorporate it to keep up with these companies like Twitter and Jack that are doing this? So I could care less what Jack's doing. Could, couldn't care less what Twitter's doing. What I'm excited for are the people that are being inspired to put more energy behind this. And they're going to be the next Jeff Bezos garage making steam it type, you know, decentralized platform competitor that incorporates basic attention token for ad revenue, blah, 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 blah. So things like Twitter, Jack, their legacy, they're comfortable. They don't know how to evolve. The, the Twitter's already built the way it is. They would have to break it down and start from the ground up. Well, other people that are going to look at this and say, hey, JAXA and Mark Zuckerberg and all these companies and these thought leaders, they're really looking into this. Now you're going to have the little guys be inspired to put a much more manpower into it. And I'm excited to see what comes out of the little weeds that are growing around, you know, this mammoth of you know social networks. It's not just social media that's looking at Jack. You know, he got Square. He has the Cash App. He's putting pressure on banks. He's putting pressure on Western Union, PayPal. You know, there's a lot of different industries that are kind of being disrupted by Jack and being incentivized to, you know, step it up and try to keep up with the times. So yeah. I'm more excited for the ripples of all this than the, the straight dead on effect. You know that that is some uh, that's a positive vibe, even though you use the word ripple in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I gotta go like I gotta go like a crip in New York and just replace like the R in ripple with like a C, like cripple, like every time I say it, just so I don't have to choke Same. on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, but no, good, good, good points though, and uh, yeah, hopefully others. You know, I, I I like your attitude. I don't try to put the dude on a pedestal. I, I definitely yeah, that's where we're getting the problems. <laughs> that definitely and that's not what bitcoin one person cannot make or break bitcoin no deities adam no deities and, and people people forget that sometimes they'll hear something that you know fake satoshi says and they panic or or something the king of the trolls well, look what happened with all the fuck 
with all the love, you know, and power people put into Roger and what happened when he decided to take that and do as he wished with it. He was an appointed deity and, you know, maliciously used that. So we have to be careful of ever like, you know, oh, we put all our love into, you know, Coinbase because it's the best on ramp and now they're a monopoly. We put all our love in the coin market cap because they're the most convenient. Now they're a monopoly. We got to be real careful where we start to put our energy individually because individually it's nothing but as a group we create these monopolies that just take advantage of everybody wow ken is on his a game today baby pound that like button and do you guys and before we wrap you guys have anything else to say to, before we wrap up the, this topic yeah, here uh, i've uh, in in my mind uh, i've been able to disconnect jack from twitter uh, just uh, reading, uh, reading in between the lines of his uh, of his interviews and his uh, podcast, especially uh, uh, podcast with uh, with Stefan Levera. Reading between the lines, I can almost see uh, that Jack Dorsey sees Twitter on its uh, deathbed, sort of run by uh, the, the the mob, an animal that's got a bit too big on him. Uh, I think he got into Twitter. Uh, for similar reasons, why he loves Bitcoin, open platform, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think Twitter's uh, Twitter's gotten away for gotten uh, gotten away from him, and uh, I think uh, for him to to realize his personal uh, dreams, uh, he'll have to do that uh, through Bitcoin. And uh, no one man can do anything with Bitcoin. And I think he's learned that, and he's learned the lesson early. And uh, I think uh, it's uh, it's his leadership and signaling to the market that it's uh, at this point in in Bitcoin's life, it is up to the rich. Uh, to bootstrap it uh, so that the poor can be freed of the fiat chains. Uh, so that's uh, so that's where I'm uh, I'm seeing Jack uh, uh, on on the on the topic of Twitter and Twitter censorship. Hundred percent behind VJ. Excellent. All right, VJ, do you have any uh, conclusionary thoughts on that? Before I've, I've got another question for you on another topic, but uh... yeah, I, I I will say that I'm very happy that uh, Jack seems to want to contribute to the consensus protocol and work on it rather than co-opt it. Uh, there've been other companies that really tried very hard to co-opt the protocol uh, to make Bitcoin suit their business because they wanted, they wanted lower fees and the, the only way they could do that is to increase the block size. And so the way they worked on it was try and uh, change Bitcoin to suit themselves. And I, I think, it, it seems to me that Jack is not doing that, which uh, is very encouraging, and and I'm really happy about that. Okay, very good. Well, let's we'll see how this develops. I'm sure we'll hear his name a million more times uh, <laughs> throughout the year. I've got the, I've got that feeling. He's one of the flavors of the year, and uh, yeah, I hope it, I hope it uh, turns out great. Now, speaking about uh, flavors of the year, there there's one uh, uh, topic that comes up every year. It just won't go away. It's Mount Gox, and it's coming up again. People are talking about it. I, I, it's jumped to me. It's jumped the shark for God's sakes. I don't. <laughs> I, I, seriously, I, I they're going to sell. I mean, Bitcoin will be distributed. Some of the forks will be distributed or sold, and it's over. It's gone. People are getting their money, but it's it's come up in the news again. Um, do you do you guys have anything any thoughts on that? Will it ever go away? Will we ever? Uh, I mean, I, 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 my panel here—they they have strong hands, so it doesn't—it doesn't affect them. But some people still like when they hear it, it, it weakens their hands and makes them worry about Bitcoin. 
I, I would like to uh, disagree with that. I feel like for people that have heard the story, the horror story of Mount Gox and what has happened to people, to see some sort of reconciliation, that's even the right, right, right way to announce that, but like to see it finally come to a, a solution for the people that were screwed, it's... I think it, it it helps settle some of the dust in the air about like, oh, Bitcoin exchanges are scams. Like, I I don't personally think that it was the best idea for Brock Pierce to go and revive something like Mount Gox and, you know, promote it so heavily again. But I do see that if people were to look and do their due diligence and look into the history of Bitcoin before they get in and they see what happened with Mount Gox, what happened with everything up until the time people started to get some of their money back, it's it's more comforting than it is disheartening. I think it's disheartening for us, the vets that had to, you know, live through it and be a part of it. But for the people that are just getting in that have no emotional attachment to that history, it's going to be like the end of a story to them instead of an open-ended horror film. The, the, the bad guy is caught, you know, the, the bad guy dies. The story ends here. Like you said, it's over. Uh, I just don't know if anybody that has been in Bitcoin since 2017 will ever ever open a Mt. Gox account ever again. I don't care well, who owns it. But here, here's the thing though, the people are saying, okay, they're distributing the Bitcoin. Now all the Bitcoin's gonna get dumped, you know? And and so that that's the scary, the, the current well, scary aspect of it. I mean, I personally think that the people who've been waiting for the Bitcoin so long, I don't think there, I don't think there'll be a massive dump. And if there is, okay, there is, then we move on from that. It, it's. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Hass, your, your, your thoughts. Look, I can, uh, I can give you a personal anecdote from my, uh, from my weaker handed days. So, uh, so I was on, uh, I was on Bitfinex in the, in the, what was it? 2016. 2016. Yeah. Right. Uh, I can't even remember how much Bitcoin was worth back then. Maybe about 400 bucks or something. Yeah. There or there. yeah. Uh, so, uh, took a haircut <clears throat> Bitfinex said, you know, oh, we're so sorry, blah, 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 blah. You know, we promised to pay you guys all back, this, this, that. Here's some, you know, Bitfinex token or whatever <laughs> it is. And uh, I said, uh, F that. These guys want me to trust them to pay me back. Uh, so I just took the haircut and uh, that was the end of uh, ever being on an exchange ever again. No more trading, just tithing. Uh oh. But there are a lot of people that just stuck around, kept trading, and, uh, you know, won't you know it, <laughs> Bitfinex ended up paying everyone back. So uh, maybe I should have had a, a stronger Bitfinex hand. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be up to individual choice and psychology with whether or not they decide to stay on the exchange, whether to just move their coins offline, whether to dump their coins, whether to buy more. Uh, I uh, I can't say I have, a, I, have a, I have a feel of what the herd will decide to do, but... You know, if people have had their Bitcoin locked up for that long, you know, uh, why dump now? Yeah, I feel like their hands are strong by default. It's like their hands were dipped in quick cement. What are they going to do at this point? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Some people are going to be given money, actually. And Alistair Milne pointed out in a tweet yesterday, you can watch my show yesterday, I mentioned this, that, you know, well, all this money will be distributed. Maybe they'll buy Bitcoin with it. So, you know, th there's a positive. Instead of all the people talking about the Bitcoin that's being distributed that might be sold. Uh, Vijay, your, your, any thoughts on uh, Mt. Gox and the never-ending FUD? 
Well, the interesting question about the Mount, Mount Gox case for me is whether uh, after civil rehabilitation is completed, the creditors um, will become hodlers or will they become sellers? It's very hard to make a prediction about this, um, but we can speculate on the psychology involved. Uh, so, like, imagine you had 100 Bitcoins on Mount Gox and then um, you believe you've taken a complete loss and the loss is like $30,000. Uh, a $30,000 loss is painful, um, but imagine if you got those Bitcoins back immediately, perhaps because you felt like you'd taken a loss, you'd want to sell them immediately because, um, uh, you know, you, you felt the relief of being made whole and you just wanted to get yourself out of the situation. But imagine, on the other hand, you lost uh, those 100 bitcoins or what you thought was $30,000 and you have to wait and watch as those 100 bitcoins become worth $2 million um, and now you get some fraction of those bitcoins back. You've seen bitcoin go from 300 to 20,000. Perhaps now your propensity to uh, hodl is much higher because you've seen the value that you wouldn't have seen if you went back to that you know, 2013-14 context where the psychology back then might have been like, oh my god, I got them all back. This whole bitcoin thing is too risky. I just lost $30,000. So I'm going to make myself whole right now. The other situation is, wow, I I lost a lot of money, but now I've gotten it back and I've actually kind of made a profit and I've seen that Bitcoin has this huge potential, so I'm just going to sit on them. Uh, so it, it's not clear to me how this is going to affect uh, the psychology of creditors, but those are two kind of different psychologies you could see. I, I think there will be some selling because the um, representative for the credit <clears throat> creditors has been holding all of their funds without selling anything. So you have to imagine some of those funds are going to be liquidated. Uh, I, I don't see it as a problem because the market has the ability to discount future events. And, and so the price current price reflects the discounting, the potential of those uh, Bitcoins being sold. Um, you know, I, I personally would hope that we get some kind of sell-off. I've been hoping Bitcoin, <laughs> Bitcoin drops even more so we get, you know, a, a, an opportunity in this bear market to accumulate even more for, for those of us who have a very long-term perspective on Bitcoin, that it's going to become a global reserve currency. We're just looking for cheap Bitcoins, as, as cheap as we can get while we can get them. And there's going to be a point where it's going to be too expensive to even buy one of them. Uh, so if, if Mt. Gox provides us an opportunity to accumulate Bitcoins cheaply, then I personally think that would be great. I don't, yes. Yeah, someone's going to be buying all those Bitcoin. If, if anybody sells them, I mean, you know, maybe Tim Draper will swoop in and grab them like he did with Silk Roads. Tim Draper's tie. Pound that like button. I, I, met, like I saw that tie in person. I met that tie. I love that tie. It's a good tie. It's a great marketing tool. People are coming. Why is he wearing such an ugly tie in the videos? No, it's great. It's awesome. Let, let so the, great. Let the normies complain. Yeah, uh, keep I, crypto weird, man. Tim Draper is, does a good job at it. So, so <laughs> I, I love this. Mount Gox, we've developed a, a psychology of Mount Gox. This is uh, this is what it what it's come to. But it but it, it's true. We 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 shall see. We shall see how it, it, it ends up. And somebody in the chat actually said, what about the forks? And there actually is an article about this, I think, in Coindesk today about uh, how, yeah, there's, there's been like a million forks since uh, 2013. And uh, the, the creditor or the, the, 
the the holders of the the private keys of Mount Gox are worried about dumping all the forks at once, and they might auction off the the private keys. There's some interesting. We'll talk about that more on my my Sunday show, I think. But it, it, you know, if they wanted to, you know, there's there's um, they they could sell all of like the there's like a fork called Bitcoin Interest, I believe. B Interest, let's call it that. And they have so much of it that they could just destroy the market if it's not already destroyed, if they dumped it all. So, uh, but again, this stuff is like worth pennies. Um, but again, it, it could, they, they on their own, they, they have so much Bitcoin that they, if they dumped some of these forks, they could really flood the market and destroy them. But hey, that, that, that's, that, that's life there. Uh, so, the Bitcoin ecosystem, to tell you the truth. Would you say has? Sorry. The least they could do for the Bitcoin ecosystem is a bit of a payback for all the damage they did. Just dump SV and BCH, uh, and uh, and that'd be great. Yeah. Well, the B the BCH they actually have a plan for that. There, I think they're actually distributing that. It's like the really low low level ones that we've never heard of, like B Pizza or or, or, or whatever. Um, B Pizza, I'm going all in, man. I got oh, the munchies right now. You know what? This again, we we all lived through the uh, the fork mania of uh, late 2017, and something like that will happen again. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, okay. it's 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 all it's all cyclical. They, there's people will come up with, uh, you know, that we 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 used to talk about ICOs. Now they're having uh, what are they? IEOs. Yeah, IEOs, initial exchange op, that the exchanges are just going to straight up sell these uh, tokens now. I think, Ken, you were telling me about the uh, non-fungible token. We'll, we'll talk about this in a second. Non-fungible tokens, that'll be a, another trend flavor of the month stuff. Oh, but yeah. let, let's move to uh, Lightning Network. Yeah. Did any of you guys, did any of you want the, the Lightning Loop? People were talking about that this week, so we should bring it up. And, and anyone, if you have any other lightning news, now now's your chance. Who, who wants to talk about Lightning Loop? Anyone? I don't know about Lightning Loop, but I know that I got my first Lightning wallet up and running, and I sent one Satoshi, and it it just worked, and it was awesome, and it was really easy, and wasn't that complicated, and yeah, I don't know. It was just like a fun experience to play around with. So I implore people to just play around with it. A couple Satoshis, just experiment and get your hands dirty with the Lightning Network, and start to play with some of these wallets and send a Satoshi around the world and see how you know cool it feels. Yeah, I, I mean, that I talked about earlier this week, uh, there's like a slot machine uh, for, for Lightning Network now. Now I don't, I don't encourage gambling obviously, but it's so, it's so little, it's, uh, if, if you have a half a Satoshi or whatever it is, uh, I mean, it, it, it seems like fun. And I, I'm glad to see uh, experimentation going on uh, with, with the lightning network that, 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 that's the bottom line to me. You know, I'm not the tech, I don't study all the technicalities behind it and everything, but, uh, to, to see the little, uh, quirky little things being built on top of it. I, I think, uh, one of these days they're going to hit on something that it, that'll get some uh, mainstream adoption or at least some mainstream, uh, awareness of it and get right. some more people in Bitcoin. Uh, in uh, in Vancouver, they have D-Control. It used to be D-Central before the dude from Jack's uh, Antonio like sued them for the copyright. But that's a, another story for another day and why I hate Jack's and that guy. But they have a really cool lightning uh, keg. So you can pay by the ounce to tap a keg. And they have like a soda vending machine that's like a beer vending machine that's all lightning. So it's just like, like you said, all the cool little things that you see, you see implement it. So it's like, it's there. It's being done. It's just... We haven't seen the mainstream's adoption of it, but that doesn't mean that it isn't there and functioning and something that we can use today. Lightning keg. 
Thank you, yep. Canada. Thank you. That's yep. that's very Canadian. That's <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Uh, VJ or uh, Hass, any uh, lightning thoughts? I'll let yeah, Hass go first. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a tech head, but I got money to spend. So I got a I've got a, a casa. Uh, I got it before they released their like uh, membership packages and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you're, if you're in the states and you're into Bitcoin and you've got about three hundred bucks lying around, uh, you pick up a full node, a Trezor. Uh, you know, play around with with Lightning, give back to Bitcoin. Uh, uh, the, the the success of Bitcoin depends on the success of Lightning. Uh, so get into it, learn about it, support it. Uh, yeah, it's great. Hmm, that's a pretty bold statement. The success of Bitcoin depends on the success of Lightning. Hmm. I don't. Uh, I don't think I can agree on that because yeah. Lightning could go either way, but Bitcoin could go the opposite. <laughs> Correct. So I, I suppose I'll clarify the the, the success of Layer One that will depend on the success of well well the success. Hmm. Yeah. All right, let me reevaluate. Re uh, we can't go mainstream without a second layer, so let's just uh, let's just support these second layer initiatives. VJ. So I have a theory. Actually, it's not my theory. I just sort of resurrected a theory that's from you know the 19th century or even earlier that that money evolves in stages and and that you know it begins as a collectible and then it it becomes evolves into a store of value uh eventually becomes a medium of exchange and then a unit of account and my view is that bitcoin must become a, a deeply liquid well-established store of value before it can become a medium of exchange and so lightning makes it possible for Bitcoin to transition from a store of value to a medium of exchange because it allows for cheap movement of, of Bitcoin around the world. But my, my view on this is, uh, and I do not want to detract from what people are doing on Lightning, I think it's fantastic. Um, the Lightning network won't become truly important until the total amount of savings held in Bitcoin increases fairly significantly. Uh, you know, 10 or 20x from where it is now. Uh, the good thing, though, is that the work on Lightning sort of paves the way for that next transition that will happen, even, even if it's not that significant right now. Uh, you know, most Bitcoin is going to be held because people are treating it as a, a, as a, a nascent store of value, something that's becoming a store of value. They're not really using it to buy bread or coffee or things like that. Um, but at the point where Bitcoin is a deeply established store of value, it has the same market capitalization as something like gold, I think it will become much more common for it to be used as a medium of exchange. So I'm I'm uh, I'm really happy that people are working on the Lightning Network now. I don't think its true significance will be seen right now. Um, although certainly a lot of people are um, uh, seeing the joy of tinkering with something related to Bitcoin that they had back in 2010, 11, 12. You know that feeling of sending Bitcoin to someone and having them send it back and and it not really costing anything. Um, that that joy has come back to development for a lot of people and i think that's really really cool and you see things like satoshi's place and the lightning torch which i was uh, lucky enough to hold for a little bit uh that 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 joy has come back and you you see it on twitter when people are talking about the cool little projects they're working on um, so that makes me really happy, but I, I don't think we're going to see the true significance of the lightning network until at least the end of the next 
uh, Bitcoin cycle when when Bitcoin gets to you know like a hundred thousand or something like that. Hey, I, I, I oh, yes. Yes, please. I was just wondering, do you think that you know the Lightning Network could uh, be that you know catalyst to start that next run where we have investors, traditional investors, looking at Lightning channels as another passive income stream for even having Bitcoin, right? Like, if you want to send a thousand Bitcoin, you need a thousand and one Bitcoin in the channel. This goes up if you have millions of Bitcoin, you know, th hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin banks will want to hold hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin so they could have whitelisted KYC lightning channels for large exchanges to move these large amounts of Bitcoin through. So like the institutional money doesn't care about Bitcoin or using it, but if they look at it as a passive means of like owning a, a, a product, you know, that has a service and that's what a lightning channel is, it's a product that has a service, you can charge a fee on that. They would, you know, what is it? Litecoin. I think they own 10% of a bank now. Litecoin, Lightning, they're working with privacy implementations. It's it's not too far-fetched to think that banks may become Lightning channels for large institutions that move large amounts of Bitcoin around. And that might be the catalyst to start their perspective as maybe it's not a currency, maybe it's not competing with banks, but this could potentially be a use case for a second, you know, alternative passive means of an investment. Yeah, I think that's a great thought, Ken, and I, I think that um, is eventually going to happen. I don't think it'll happen now, and I don't, I don't really believe that it'll be a catalyst, just because the the opportunity of spending Bitcoin, the opportunity cost of spending Bitcoin right now is so high. If you spend Bitcoin and you you know actually use it as a medium of exchange, you spend it and you lose it, um, the, the the cost could be massive. Like you. We, sort of go back to that story about the guy who spent 10,000 Bitcoin on a pizza. I've been um, living all in on Bitcoin for the past two years. Every dollar I spent started as a Satoshi for the past 24 months. So I'm that guy times 10. I feel his pain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, I, I imagine that when you spend, you also try to replenish. So you're not... Yeah. You're not technically using it as a medium of exchange. You're sort of using it as a payment rail, uh, which is... It's my currency of choice. I store my value and I use it as a currency. Like if I get paid in Bitcoin, I'll find somebody that wants to buy my Bitcoin at 5 to 10% on top of market value for the OTC convenience. Yep. Um, if I want to buy Bitcoin back, I don't care if it's clean or dirty, if it hits Silk Road or a gambling website, I'll buy some dirty Bitcoin for 10% under market value and clean it on an exchange like Changely. So, I mean, there's a billion ways that I could use this money as money to make more money because I use it simply as my money. Well, I think it's awesome that you're living the Bitcoin lifestyle. <laughs> I got um, all the stats to prove it. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that, honestly, I think you're on the vanguard, Ken, and I, I think that the most people involved in Bitcoin are still, most Bitcoins uh, by total you know, volume are being held, um, sorry, mo by, by market capitalization. Most Bitcoins are sitting still uh, and people are holding them because they see that there's this long-term potential. You know, I, I may want to spend my Bitcoins, but I, I don't want to spend them until it has really widespread adoption and most of the-, the Well, if the you don't spend it and you don't use it, how the hell is it going to get widespread adoption just sitting in the corner collecting dust, bro? I love Adam Meister, don't get me wrong, but strong hands is the worst thing for Bitcoin ever. You have to use it. You have to spend it. You have to get it out there. Tip your waitress, tip your stripper at the strip club, give it to yeah. your bartender, but you have and to do something with it for it to be adopted. Who adopts the kid in the corner sitting there playing with the dirt? 
Uh, Hass can go first. I, I mean, I have some points to to. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Keep going, BJ. Yeah, yeah. BJ was on a, a thing. We'll, we'll get back to Ken's thing. Yes, yeah, so BJ continue. So, so I, I don't think spending actually helps increase adoption because, firstly, what happens is it means that those bitcoins are sold on an exchange. Most people who accept Bitcoin in payment actually you're trying to get dollars and so what they do, do will do is they'll take the bitcoins and immediately sell if you're a bakery for instance all of your costs are denominated in dollars so you have to pay your employees in dollars you have to buy your flour in dollars someone gives you bitcoin you don't have the ability to handle the, the price volatility um so what you want is to increase the number of people who want to hold bitcoin and really, to me, that involves like a psychological shift. It requires someone to see the long-term value of Bitcoin. If you if you give Bitcoin to someone who doesn't have it, the, in the majority of cases, those and I've done this a lot over time and I've sort of learned my lesson, most of those people will sell it, sell it off immediately because they're like, what is this? I don't know why it's valuable. I'm just going to get rid of it. It's like imagine someone gave you some weird currency from overseas and it was worth $5 and you're like, cool, you just gave me $5 and you sell it to dollars and then use those dollars. What we need is for people to understand why Bitcoin is important. And I think each of us individually need to understand why it's a better money. And I personally find that people appreciate and come to Bitcoin and become much uh, stronger advocates and stronger hands, as Adam puts it. When they've come to it on their own, they've risked their own capital, they've invested their own money. Um, and privileged perspective there's people that don't have the privilege to use it as an investment vehicle it's their only option sometimes plan b is plan a i mean look at venezuela today france tomorrow yeah and you know i appreciate the the um the case of venezuela and things like that and if you look at history people who are escaping europe uh they didn't have a way of taking savings over to America if they were able to escape the Nazis. Uh, but in those cases, I think the, the thing that's most important isn't necessarily the ability to transact, it's the ability to keep some of your value. So you have savings, for example, imagine someone in Europe, a, a Jewish person in Europe, and they have some savings, they get to America and they have nothing. What would be great is if they could take those savings and then be able to reestablish a life. And, and I, I think that's true of people in Venezuela as well. Um, you may need to uh, spend some of those Bitcoins to survive to, to escape. But, but to me, the primary value is to be able to keep savings and, 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 and to reestablish a life uh, when you escape. Yeah. Um, Hass, you were going to say something. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <clears throat> my problem is it's hard to get a full message out in short, sharp uh, sound bites. So I'm going to take a minute. And uh, here's what I meant by layer two is absolutely essential to layer one because I see everything as part of the big loop and uh, my loop uh, is, a, is a religious one and it starts with the tither. So the tither is somebody that, that uh, whose heart and mind has been won by Bitcoin and they understand both the, the economic and social uh, benefits of it. And that's it. They're convinced in their heart of hearts that a move to a Bitcoin standard is really what's going to uh, push civilization forward to the, to the next stage. So if you ask me, uh, you know, uh, how much is a Bitcoin worth today? If you look at an exchange, it's worth 4,000 bucks. To me, it's not worth 4,000 bucks. To me, it's worth a million bucks. 
but how does it how does it become worth a million bucks? So you've got your tithers investing DCA religiously, or you know, or equivalent, and this holds the the, the base floor of uh, of your commodity. As more hearts and minds are one, you have uh, more of these holders of last resort. Price goes up. Developers get excited. More developers come in. They build things like Lightning Network. Bitcoin becomes more useful. Uh, Bitcoin has become excited about it. Bitcoin price goes up. More hearts and minds uh, uh, are won. More tithing. More developers are excited. Enter. Loop, loop, loop. And you get innovations on both sides. Medium of exchange, store of value, all of these kinds of things. So I don't I don't actually, while I, while I agree in theory that... Uh, it must absolutely be store of value first before medium of exchange. Uh, it's a it's a it's a loopy and parallel path uh, to get there because if it's uh, if it's not uh, if it's only use <clears throat> like not saying that censorship resistance and all that kind of stuff and hard cap isn't the best use in the absolute universe, uh, but if we can only do ten transactions per second, it's not useful. Uh, so that's why things like Lightning uh, are so essential. Like just you know, when we're at twenty thousand dollars a Bitcoin, uh, the network couldn't couldn't handle uh, people buying on exchange and withdrawing to their own wallets. Uh, so so this is why stuff like uh, like a, a, a next bull run cannot happen in my mind without a functioning, flourishing uh, Lightning network. Now I, I want to bring up uh, we're, we're we're talking about spending Bitcoin in traditional you know the way people treat tr traditional money and something that has come up this week and, and past weeks are these savings accounts that are coming out that it, you, you give someone your Bitcoin and they're going to pay you six percent I forgot that what, what's it BitFi or something like that Celsius um, Networks the one I've been looking into there's, and then, yeah there's, there's all sorts. Um, and I wanted, I, I wanted to, we, we actually were talking about savings before. I mean, we're talking about savings right now. So what are you guys, uh, what are your guys thoughts on these uh, third parties uh, paying people 6%? Uh, VJ, do, do you know about this? Uh, you think, uh, are you talking about BlockFi? BlockFi, sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I think it's just part of the financialization of Bitcoin that is... I, I kind of think it's inevitable uh, and I personally don't have a huge problem with it because I think that to me the, the main value of Bitcoin is that it replaces the monetary base with a form of money that can't be controlled and can't be inflated and that's an incredibly powerful thing. Uh, I... Uh, so, so I don't, I don't mind that these companies are financializing on top of Bitcoin. Um, some people believe that it's a, it's a really bad thing, and we should figure out ways that banks can't be built on top of Bitcoin. I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, so, really, w what they're doing is they're giving people the, they're giving people the interest that would come from allowing people to do things like short Bitcoin. So they will, uh, the, you know, you. You give them Bitcoin, you lend your Bitcoin to them, they give you 6%, and then they're going to give that Bitcoin to someone else to short, and they're going to charge, say, 8 or 9% interest for the person who's shorting Bitcoin, and they're just going to pocket the difference. Uh, and, and so the, the way they get funds to, to lend out to allow people to short is they put up an interest rate which will attract people to, to, to lend their Bitcoins. So, uh, you know, I, I think... Uh, 
it's totally fine and it's healthy to have a market where people are allowed to short Bitcoin. Um, that you're allowed to short gold, for instance. That provides a very liquid and healthy market. Uh, so I don't have a problem. I think it's totally fine. Now, before we the other panel members comment on this, you got to get out of here pretty soon. So I just want to hear if you have any conclusionary remarks, anything that uh, didn't didn't get brought up uh, that you wanted to, to, to shout out uh, to say. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's great meeting these other guys, um, seeing them in person. So good to meet you both. Um, I, I, we were going to talk about Bitcoin taxes just yes. uh, quickly. And maybe I'll just make a comment. This is only relevant to people in the U.S., uh, but I wrote a long article on taxation um, for Bitcoin, and I think there's a lot of confusion amongst people about what's taxable and what's not. And I go into a lot of detail in that article. I'm not an accountant, but I've done a lot of research on this topic, spoken to a lot of people who are experts in, in this space uh, and accountants. Um, so the, the, the brief summary is, uh, any like-kind exchange of crypto to crypto, say you sell Ethereum and buy Bitcoin, you should never go the other way, by the way, um, is is uh, is a taxable event that you will owe taxes when you do that. And if you sold on an exchange, they have a record that you've done that. You should probably assume that that record is eventually going to go to the IRS. The other topic is forks. If, if Bitcoin forks and you all of a sudden have new coins, fork coins, is that a taxable event? Um, and I make an argument for why I don't think that is. And I, then I cover airdrops, which is, uh, you know, coins that you get because you already own Bitcoin. Um, so, for instance, Stellar in 2017, people who own Bitcoin were able to get an airdrop of Stellar Lumens. And I explained that that's a taxable event as well. So this is, you know, kind of boring esoteric stuff. It's not as cool as talking about Bitcoin becoming a global reserve currency. But, but tax time is coming up uh, in, in a few weeks for people who are U.S. citizens. And I think there's a really widespread misunderstanding of how taxes should be handled. So really seek out some expert opinions. There's some accountants on Twitter who are very, very good. Um, Laura Walters, she goes by Crypto Tax Girl. Um, just get a solid opinion. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't assume that this problem's going away. And, you know, the nature of the blockchain means that uh, the, these things can be tracked down years later. And, and as, as libertarian as I am, uh, I, I want to make sure I don't go to jail because, you know, I'm a, I'm a father of, of uh, two children and I, I don't want to be in jail. So I think it, it behooves you to figure out how to do this properly so that at some point in the future, you're not going to have the IRS breathing down your neck saying you didn't pay your taxes. All right. V VJ's links are below, by the way, his uh, Twitter feed, and he actually retweeted his tax article very recently. So follow all three of these guys that are linked to below. VJ, I will let you go because I know you got to go. We'll, we'll, we'll I'm going to have to catch up with you off the uh, off the live stream, man. I got to pick your brain. I got two taxable potential hypothetical scenarios I want to run by you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. VJ's DMable too. He's on... Uh, He's on Twitter. So VJ, thank you very much uh, for being on today. And uh, it's, it's always, it's always great to, uh, to see you here, man. So take care. Thank you guys. It's great seeing all of you. All right. Have see, you later. see you later, VJ. Okay. Go going back to what we were talking about before is as Ken is uh, 
Ken's enjoying life over there. What do you, Ken, you, you know about these, we were talking about interest uh, bearing uh, Bitcoin accounts, savings accounts, your, your I, thoughts on this. They're an important step in cryptocurrency becoming a world currency. They has to be able to perform the same tasks as the current currency performs today. If you can't take out a loan with your Bitcoin as collateral when you go to the bank, I, I like that's all I have is Bitcoin right now. I'm all in. So if I go to the bank and I'm like, look, I, I want to take a loan out, you know, get a house. I have a couple of Bitcoin, you know, can you hang on? Like that's not going to happen. It doesn't, it, it won't work. So these platforms that are starting to come out, as long as they're KYC, as long as they're going through the anti-money laundering things. And I would expect that they would be open source about the currencies that they have, where they're going, like these addresses, that ledger should all be public. If you're, you know, if I'm giving you Bitcoin and you're lending my Bitcoin out, I feel like that shouldn't be hard to find or track the money. I want to know where my Bitcoin went and who's borrowing it, what you're getting and why I'm getting what I'm getting for it. And all those questions should be answerable without having to go through any red tape. So I just think that it's an important role for Bitcoin to act as every means possible that, you know, fiat currency plays today in our economy. If you can't get a loan out for holding Bitcoin, that's one less reason to hold Bitcoin. So if we can, if we can incentivize people to hold Bitcoin in a custodial manner, because some people don't want to treasure you're never, some people have 10,000, a hundred thousand, a million dollars. They're, they're never going to feel comfortable holding that on their own. They're going to want a scapegoat. They're going to want somebody who's insured that they can yell at when shit hits the fan because it will, as a custodial service always does, but that's what people will always want. So it's an important stepping stone. If we don't have it, how do we get these institutional investors on if they're never going to want to take the risk of holding their own keys. I mean, look what happened with Quadriga in Canada. You know, that's it's a lot of money that went missing and they'll learn their, they'll learn their lesson through the custodial services, but they're going to have to learn their lesson. So we need those places to teach them that lesson. Has your your thoughts uh, don't lend you don't lend your bitcoin uh, for for so cheap. Uh, for me 6% uh, you'd have to pay me sixty percent interest to to loan out uh, my Bitcoin uh, for the for the risk you're taking, uh, you know, counterparty risk, the cus the, the custodian, uh, you know, uh, risk, all of that kind of stuff. I think you're absolutely bonkers giving giving away your Bitcoin for for six percent a year. Even if your Bitcoin uh, is insured, one Bitcoin to one Bitcoin. What, what was that? Say? Sorry. Well, if these if these if they have a, an insurance where they're not insuring the fiat value, but they're insuring the amount of Bitcoin, right? Like, if you can insure my one Bitcoin, if anything goes wrong, I don't care if it goes to a dollar or it goes to ten thousand dollars. I want my one Bitcoin back. Uh, then, this, uh, then they'd have to pay you a lot more than six percent because an insurance company is going to charge a lot of money uh, to insure uh, the the underlying. Uh, so, like, let's say uh, Bitcoin goes to a million bucks. Uh, you know, good luck getting uh, getting insurance money out of an insurance well, this company. Is still that, assuming uh, that we're pairing Bitcoin to fiat dollars, and fiat dollars hasn't gone the way of the tulip. Nobody compared gold to you know tulips pegging, and I don't think anybody will in the future look at Bitcoin to a fiat value. You know, one Bitcoin to one Bitcoin. That's why I'm saying insure my one Bitcoin. 
this is we're getting into a trust issue here too. I mean, uh, do you trust the engineering? This is this is third party stuff. Again, some of us don't have the taste for the third party. Some people all. can't trust themselves though, and I don't want to scare them away by telling them if you know if you don't feel like you're smart enough to handle your own private keys, then don't get into Bitcoin because you're going to lose your money. The custodial services will always play a role. It's unfortunate. I'm not happy about it, but the majority of the people that use money still today don't even know how the dollar works, let alone be able to be their own bank. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Most people can't, a lot of people can't be their own bank. So there will be Bitcoin banks. There will be Bitcoin banks. There's just been a, there's been a lot of talk about it. And uh, I, I just, I bring it up because it's in the news and it's the next I, step to mass adoption. Well, it's something. It, it, it's it, it's it's something. I will say that. I don't know if it's the next step, but it's a. Uh, it, it it will help with mass adoption. But again, don't you, fitting in is overrated. As I say, you don't you don't have to be part of the masses. I still tell people get on that trezor and, and learn and be your own bank. That is the real reason behind Bitcoin. But there, I mean, Thanks this is your friend. This is a free world, so people are going to have Bitcoin banks and all that. Interesting stuff. Okay, look. with the advent of the of the casa casas of the world, uh, being your own bank is pr probably going to be pretty straightforward in about two to three years' time. Yeah, but as as Ken pointed out, there are going to be some people who value their wealth in uh, dollars who, in two or three years' time, will like go bonkers saying, "I can't hold a million dollars on my computer. I just I can't." Do I can't do it. I gotta I gotta give some of it to a bank, and that's their that's their whatever. But still, again, what's gonna eventually happen is one of these Bitcoin banks, because there's all different levels of of people saying they're gonna give you interest. There'll be some major ripoffs too. So I mean, yep. there, there there is there is definitely risk. Okay, let's we're 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 at the end here. But I did want to bring up. Did you guys have any thoughts? Because I said I was gonna talk about this. The the, the Ethereum people are yelling at each other. There there might be a fork. Um, do you, do you have any thoughts on the Ethereum drama? None. No thoughts. no thoughts on Ethereum at the moment. I'm too busy worrying about Bitcoin right now. It's uh, I kind of, you know, everybody knows I got all the different shitcoin tattoos, but I actually re-diversified almost 100% back into Bitcoin right now. There is absolutely no altcoin that you can hold today that will get you more Satoshis next year. Not happening. More Satoshis will get you more of your altcoin next year. That's a fact. Value your wealth in Bitcoin. He is valuing his wealth in Bitcoin. I like to, I like that. And again, if you are messing around with the altcoins, yeah, pay attention to see. You know, you, you think it's going up, but it's going up in dollars. But the the Bitcoin is doing better. Always, always, always take a look at that, people. Or just hold your Bitcoin and, and be boring. That's so called boring. I don't think it's boring. <laughs> um, all right, uh, let's let's say I think we covered everything. Hass, what are your uh, your thoughts, anything that you wanted to bring up, any conclusionary remarks, anything, anything. The floor is yours. Thank you. Oh, and tell and anything, uh, especially uh, Bitcoin centric in Australia and the voting yeah. stuff you're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, we're going out uh, to, to, to vote in my state of New South Wales, and we do have a, a, have a, a, a pro Bitcoin minor party running. They're flux. I've been uh, re retweeting them. Uh, so uh, so check them out and, and hopefully uh, maybe they can uh, they can jag something in our state Senate uh, we'll see how it goes but uh, generally speaking I've given up on uh, on all forms of politics Bitcoin is the only way and my conclusion uh, my conclusionary remarks are uh, buy as often as you can consistently same amount save hard value your wealth in Bitcoin 
and uh, and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the roller coaster. Yeah, Bitcoin is my thing. Also, I I try to avoid politics because, especially in North America, it is it's like a soap opera and it just wastes people time and you're not efficient. But I do want to point out that if voting was so important, then yeah, it would be on a weekend. They do it they do it right down there. Um, we in the United States we have it on Tuesdays, which is just ridiculous. If you wanted everybody to vote, then you you would have it on a, a Saturday. But I mean, that's a that's a whole another issue. So good for Australia. And Australia also has like ranking vote. They do things a little different down there. But again, don't get carried away in that drama, people. It's it's just to distract you and get you you know stuck in that uh, that mainstream machine. Get into into the Bitcoin overlay, as I say. You don't have to worry about politics at all. Ken, you, yeah. you got the last word, baby. Oh, hi. Hi, Adam Meister's audience. How goes it? My name is Ken Bozak. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You should smash that thumbs up button. Um, all right. Well, I guess the recap on what I'm doing, I am 180 everything I'm doing right now in crypto and I am 100% laser focusing on blockchain video games and the potential they have to mainstream this as a technology. Forget the currency, don't invest in engine coin, don't invest in Tron, just keep an eye on the technology, play with it, use it. I'm looking at it like Android or Apple operating systems. I'm looking at these technologies as technologies, not investments, not currencies. But I think the potential for mainstream adoption is with the youth and it's starting with these blockchain games where they're not looking at the red and green candles of this currency. They're just worried about the actual use case of the technology. And they're like, wait, this is blockchain? Wait, this skin that I can send around the world is basically money? Like, It's that little snowball I'm keeping an eye on. So if you guys are interested, I play Steam Monsters and I play Mytherium every Friday. And it's basically blockchain trading card games like Pokemon on the blockchain. And I win money like every Friday playing this game. Wow, man, that that is a great. Uh, I hadn't heard about that stuff, dude. I, you, you add a, a great perspective, and yeah, it's not all about the red and the green candles and the right. The, it it, go, it goes way beyond. All right, dudes, very good. Uh, a very good conclusion to the show. I thank all three of my guests from all over the world. Remember. We do this show every Friday. And next Friday, I return to the East Coast for the first time since the first week in December. I will be back in Baltimore, where I am originally from. I will miss Los Angeles, but it's it's time to go back and take care of some business over there. And I'll be there for a while, but we, the show will be on at a, a reasonable time. And uh, again, there's a new show here every every day of the week. I do a new show here. They're not guests on all the time. It's just the regular one Bitcoin show. Saturday is the Beyond Bitcoin show. So check out all the links below. See my old show. Follow all these dudes on Twitter. Pound that like button. Bang that bell button. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to his channel. Shabbat Shalom. I will see you guys uh, tomorrow night. And uh, thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye. Oi, market cap's a scam.